I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Wednesday, June 15th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Brett, I have a small silver lining to an otherwise very dark story from Monday night in the NBA championship playoffs. Do you know what that silver lining is? Well, what's the silver lining? By the way, aren't you a bit conflicted on this? Didn't you live in San Francisco and you're from Boston? Yes, but as anybody from Boston can tell you, once you are a Boston fan, you are always a Boston fan. So I'm a Boston Celtics fan. Going for 18 championships this year, Monday night, which was game five, was a, well, a huge setback. But within that setback, I'm looking for a, a Canadian silver lining. Are you ready for it? Yeah, I'm ready. Andrew Wiggins, Thornhill's own Andrew Wiggins, who plays for the Warriors, had an epic night to take down my Celtics. I don't know. We had like 26.13 rebounds. He was the man for the Warriors and won them the game. What's incredible, though, is that so Andrew Wiggins, the history is interesting. So he was a first overall draft pick, the first in Canadian history to be chosen first overall. He went to the Timberwolves. He was a total bust on the Timberwolves. And he has now joined the Warriors and been resuscitated. But the most interesting part of it all is that he was questionable for much of the season because he refused to get vaccinated until like the last minute. Well, it's a good thing he did because they're pretty serious about it in California. Yeah, well, it's good for the team. Bad for you. Bad for the Boston Celtics and their fans. It is bad for us. Yeah, now that I think about it. But kudos to him. Kudos to on Game 5's win for the Golden State Warriors, my former hometown, beat up on my real hometown. On to Game 6 and 7, hopefully this week. I won't say a word for fear of cursing my Boston Celtics until the whole thing's over. But Brett, aside from Andrew Wiggins' big night, what do we have for Peak Pals today? For the record, I will never cheer for a Boston team, ever, on any sport. But for our first story, what's up with gas prices? For our second story, there's new cybersecurity legislation. And for our third story, the COVID app, it's finally gone. For our first story, search queries in Canada for will gas prices go down and why are gas prices so expensive right now? are up 800 and 750% respectively this year. So we thought we'd get some answers. Brett, what's the latest on gas prices and why are they so damn high? Well, Jay, this is very topical for me. I have a driving test on Friday, which I'm not feeling great about, but you know, I perhaps might be buying gas soon. Look, gas prices across the country, they've hit record highs. Even when adjusting for inflation, they are on average hitting some of the highest levels seen in the last 50 years including during the energy crisis in the 1970s, which, by the way, killed Jimmy Carter's government. So this is all per the New York Times. High fuel costs hurt consumers beyond the pump as well. When transportation costs rise, it means anything, anything that gets from point A to point B with a car, a truck, a train, or a ship is affected from food to work supplies to construction materials. So the cost of gas you see at the pump can be broken down into a few smaller separate costs, each with their own ebbs and flows, starting with the price of the stuff mined right from the ground, also known as raw material or crude oil. It's sent for refinement. The cost of that refinement itself, plus taxes, distribution, and marketing. I don't know how much marketing gas needs, but that's built in as well. Plus mark up. I think we're forgetting that one as well. Consumers are getting hit with the high cost of crude oil, which as of April accounted for 60% of the price of gas at the pump, compared with 25% April 2020. The war in Ukraine in part, reduced the global energy supply and caused a jump in prices by limiting exports from Russia, one of the world's top three crude producers. But even before the war, the cost of oil was rising as the world gradually recovered from the pandemic. Road and air travel picked up and workers finally returned to the office. And that means people got to use fuel. Despite calls to ramp up production, producers are hesitant to drill new wells given the two oil price crashes in the past eight years. Plus, 
Governments are now throwing their weight behind electric vehicles and making ambitious commitments to net zero emissions. So, Brett, beyond their own wallet, why should Peak Pals care about high gas prices? The effort to stabilize gas prices is at odds with countries' commitments to shifting to renewable energy. It's something that it's so crazy how this stuff can shift. We were talking about renewable energy for so long, and now we're shifting right back to gas. But recent Canadian government findings show that for the oil and gas industry to meet Canada's 2030 climate targets, it would just have to produce less. Now, how producers will handle the mixed messaging between kind of tackling climate change, but also meeting demand for oil remains to be seen. But throwing it back to Econ 101, a class I did not take, but Jay did, until more supply appears or demand falls, gas prices will likely stay high. In fairness, I actually took it twice. Well, that means you're even you're twice the expert that I am. For <laughs> For our second story, with over four in five businesses impacted by cybersecurity staying quiet last year, it was a, a big secret, the federal government has introduced a new security bill complete with a new set of reporting requirements for telecoms, finance, energy, and transport sectors that are hacked. Jay, what's this new bill all about? <laughs> well, it seems that... The first rule about cyber attacks is don't talk about cyber attacks, but the bill will force businesses across these sectors to ignore the wisdom of schoolyard bullies and tattle tale instead by requiring them to report cybersecurity incidents and establish programs to detect seriousness of those attacks. If businesses do not comply, they could face fines of up to $15 million. So they're damned if they do, damned if they don't on cyber attacks. Wow. It's the, I'm going to call it the snitch bill. Cyber attacks in Canada have increased exponentially since 2021, becoming more sophisticated, 69% successfully accessed sensitive company data, and demanding bigger ransoms than ever. 25% of these attacks demanded over a million dollars in ransom. The bill also amends the Telecommunications Act to forbid the use of equipment and services from suppliers deemed national security threats, giving the government a legal underpinning to enforce last month's ban on 4G and 5G technology provided by Huawei, I guess if unless you're doing research with Huawei. And so, Brett, why does this new legislation matter? So according to a recent survey of global tech execs, 41% don't believe their security initiatives have kept up with more advanced attacks. As security risks grow alongside remote work systems, it's crucial that companies are prepared for more potential cybersecurity failings. The trade-off for being able to wear sweatpants all day is that you might be more vulnerable for an attack. Now, if passed, the new bill will give the government a clearer picture of what's going on with attacks that previously would have been unreported and should allow them to hopefully help businesses handle future incidences. And for our third and final story, well, that's a wrap on the COVID alert app here in Canada. Brett, we talked a little bit about this yesterday, but thought we'd dig in a bit deeper into the story. I like how that rhymes. Well, that's a wrap on the COVID alert app. That's, that's nice. Canada is shutting down the national COVID contact tracing app we love to hate and many did not use. After changes to PCR testing regulations rendered it largely useless, and this is per the Globe and Mail. We still have PCR tests? Just kidding. For those who didn't give it a whirl, the Bluetooth tracking app aimed to cool the spread of COVID by letting users know if they'd come in close contact with someone who had tested positive on a PCR test and had also downloaded the app. So it was smart, right? Well, people with a positive PCR test would upload a code into the app that would send out an exposure notification, which rule requires reliable testing and personal accountability. But that's kind of where the app fell short in a few big ways. Yeah, less than one in five Canadian residents downloaded it and only 58,000 total infections were recorded. Many users received false exposure notifications and a handful of provinces opted against using it at all. Now, the shift away from PCR testing has left it 
really sitting idle. Well, let's kind of put ourselves back in time here. At the time of release, the app was considered a big achievement in contact tracing technology and what's possible when the government and private sector collaborate. Remember, it was governments working with Apple and Google to develop this. Plus, eventually winding down the app was always part of the plan, although not too soon. Now, whether this negates all of the like weirdness that it caused, I don't know. And that's why this matters. Until more data on the app's effectiveness is available, it's unclear whether the $20 million investment into its development was well spent, but at the very least, it marks another milestone in the transition out of weird pandemic life. Pete Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to and only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. And as always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And Brett, it's not the only app that I would like to see go away at some point soon. The other one is the ArriveCan app, which oh, yeah. some of the requirements actually went away today or about to go away. So it will also be deemed, I think, less useful than anticipated earlier so oh man lots of apps going away the arrive can yeah that it's gonna be fun i'm gonna keep on my phone just for the nostalgia of it all <laughs> it'll be like uh nft on your phone yeah but, you know, we used to i had one of the original downloads of arrive can <laughs> all right brett have a good day you too jay